Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zach Allard. I'm Michael Tabor. Zach, I really like the way you said hello this week. You're like, hello. <laughs> like there's some real energy there. I've been practicing sensual hellos. <laughs> Don't worry. It's sensual not, greetings it's, from Zach. It's not for any reason you expect. <laughs> Uh, listen, we're all we're all adjusting to the the marketplace of Zoom. You know, we're we're all gonna really need to up our uh, our digital greetings. So yeah, I, I love it. I've had a few Zoom Zoom calls uh, this week, and one of the highlights was one of the people I was talking to. She was like, "I have a new anecdote," and was like genuinely endearingly excited to share a thing that had occurred because that's where we're at. Like once you just yeah. once you're asked like, hey, do you know anyone that's died? Have you died? Has your family died? Mm-hmm. Um, How dead are you? Right, <laughs> right. Uh, and then you sort of talk about what you've watched, the new Andy Samberg movie, not the new Andy Samberg movie. There's really you you're pretty much just looking at each other at that point. Every Zoom call turns into that like bit of performance art that they did. I forget <laughs> the artist, but where they just stared at each other for like multiple minutes and people would start like spontaneously crying and stuff. That's just like every weekly check-in. <laughs> I don't think it was Abramovich, but I'm going to say it was because that's the only performance artist <laughs> I know. So Michael, what are we talking about this week? We are going to be talking about a few things. One, we're going to uh, get back back to the shitty Christian's roots and talk about some uh, <laughs> oh, sexual no. misconduct in the church. Hooray. Uh, but uh, like... Uh, so we're going to be talking about John Ortberg, who is uh, a megachurch pastor, your friendly evangelical face, uh, former mm. pastor at uh, Willow Creek, and then went off and started his own church in a very affluent suburb outside of San Francisco. Well, you know, it must have just been a coincidence that he ended up there. Yeah, yeah, total, totally, <laughs> totally normal thing to move to uh, that that area right before the tech boom really kicked off. Um, but anyways, there's been there's been some issues there, as you might expect, and we are here to delve into all of that uh, and and to really, I, I think, tell uh, one of the stories, like the heroic story of Daniel Lavery, who whistleblowed his own family uh, yeah, to really who, bring this uh, stuff uh, to light. Who is an Ortberg by birth, so. And yes. an important, an important heroic character in a very sordid story. Michael, what else are we talk. Yeah, about? we'll get into all of that. Um, we're going to be talking about some cool Christian dating tips. You know, that's uh, my things. I that... will say that's one of my favorite things we talk about. I love, <laughs> I love nothing more. Christians have parallel worlds on everything, but the one, the thing they're most insistent on is dating, courtship, marriage. Always keeping it exceedingly normal. <laughs> uh, so we're going to have some fun with that. Maybe we can all learn a little something we can take back to our lives. You know, uh, we're here to grow here at Shitty Christians. <laughs> But first, before we get to that, I think, uh, you know, Zach, you and I have been talking and it, it's maybe time just for like a state of play. No, I disagree. Know, I'm, going, world. I'm going to push my head further into the sand. Yeah, that is my goal. Uh, yeah. It's to sort of close my you eyes. You used to have to stare into the abyss, but now we're just <laughs> in the abyss. I feel like the abyss is chasing me. Us. I yeah. feel like I am like running down the street and the abyss is like behind me in a car like a 90s action movie it's really upsetting uh no listen the abyss isn't chasing you it caught you a while ago (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna talk a little bit about just where we're at where the world is at why everything is terrible is there any hope all that fun stuff zach what's been going on 
So just, you know, sort of briefly, you know, to catch us up. Uh, yeah, we have been hitting for the last couple weeks a new record almost every day in infections. We're number one. We're number one. Quite literally. We're number one. Yesterday, on <laughs> July 14th, there were 65,000 cases and almost 1,000 deaths from COVID. America really proving itself to be the leader of the free world in uh, how many of its people it's willing to sacrifice at the altar of capital. Yeah, and this is obviously affecting us, particularly here in L.A. and California, but it's all over the country, Texas, Florida. and uh, Yeah, this this used to be a New York thing, and then it was sort of a New York and, and California, specifically L.A. thing, and now it's a fucking everywhere thing. About triple the casualties in Vietnam have already happened this year in 2020 we are nearing 140,000 deaths um at this point i don't know anyone in los angeles that doesn't have some relationship with someone who has died we have a crisis you know we we have a you know and twitter's favorite um measurement of like 40 or 50 9 11s just happening and, and <laughs> oh god and at this scale we'll be having a 9 11 every day and so the question and so like which was yeah what Go is the it. government doing what is the government doing? Because this is a systemic issue. When you have millions of people, literally millions of people being infected, and you have tens of thousands needing at some point to be hospitalized. We're running out of beds. We're running out of more medical supplies. You have to kind of mobilize. You have to sort of World War II buckle down, defeat defeat fascism, even though that's not really what you care about. And make the hard choices. Make the and actually do something, you know. And, and we have seen, by the way, at this point, because of how long this has been raging on, most developed countries are kind of rounding the corner or have beaten it mostly. Uh, and so there is a like a playbook extant. Michael, what's America doing? <laughs> I think as you and I were talking about this week, just sort of coming to terms with the the collapse of every major American institution, like. Um, mm. The political response so far has been, here's $1,200, now go fuck yourself. Yeah, um, now now go find a nice quiet place to choke to death. I think, you know, we talked about infection rates and we talked about uh, mortality rates. We should also talk about, like, unemployment and evictions. Mm-hmm. There was um, a study recently released that said because of mass unemployment, you know, about 40-ish million people unemployed, there could be 28 million people homeless, which is around 10% of Americans. Yeah, they're currently uh, shopping around something you can apply for in, I, I don't know if it's Los Angeles or California, where they will send $1,000 to your landlord directly to help you not get evicted. So my landlord will get rich and I won't be able to eat yeah so just a direct landlord bailout cool. in, in an area where a thousand dollars isn't going to get you a month like basically anywhere rent forgiveness would be a plan uh but instead what we have is what bailouts exist exists for giant corporations and uh you know corporate landlords something like 82 percent. i know about this because you know we're based in los angeles 82 percent of la apartments are owned by corporations only 18 percent are owned by individuals uh so the vast majority of who receives the benefits from that plan that is quote unquote designed to help people is just going to be corporations uh and corporate owned like apartment buildings uh, oh, of course. Fucking disgusting. 
But anyways, I'm getting distracted. <laughs> this has been on my mind lately. Uh, <laughs> I wonder why that's relevant. I think more importantly, uh, you know, we have somehow managed to turn this actual war, you know, this this yeah. health pandemic into a culture war. And while... That is staggering. Wh- you had all these material consequences. Tens of millions of people are, are going to be, like, starving. Tens of millions of people might be... Are, are already out of work. Tens of millions of people might be on the street. And we have decided... That uh, that sort of uh, mask signaling is what we should really talk about. Yeah, the the grand issue of our day: to mask or not to mask. Uh, <laughs> and 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 listen, like we're gonna come at you from both angles on this. Like, uh, of you know, we are of course, of course. It is nonsense that any amount of people out there are going to be out there like booing and hooing about having to wear a mask and and talking about how this is an infringement of their rights. If you don't want to wear a mask, you don't understand the idea of holding your breath underwater. That like different circumstances demand a different change. Yeah, we should... We should send all those people swimming. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, and and it's also... it's, It's... it's not for you. It's for other people. It is. It is so clearly demonstrating that you just don't give a fuck about anyone but yourself. Uh, and it's also just a paltry vision of freedom. Like your face yeah, it, fucking matters, well, dude. Yeah, honestly, uh, the rest of us are more free when your face is covered, dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but even more than that, you know. Also, also the fucking lib response, which yes. has been to shame 20-somethings for going to bars that fucking politicians opened uh, mm-hmm. and and neg people for not wearing masks when you were providing for none of the material conditions that people need. One of the big reasons we didn't get a second like uh, bailout for people is because they didn't want the unemployment rate to rise. They didn't, they didn't want that number going up. And if people are getting the money that they need to survive, they might not go to their dangerous jobs, but that would yep. look bad. Uh, wage so, slavery is what that's called by the way <laughs> yeah uh so we are we are in this space where you're not caring for the people that you were sworn to serve and protect but you are lecturing them i think my favorite and, bit though is, is is like that is like the the celeb of that all like celebs are not like on oh mass calling for defunding of police they're not calling for like ubi they're not calling for like a rent strike celebs are like I'm making this post to say, like, wear your mask, be a hero. And it's like, hey, celebs, don't wear your masks, actually. You're the ones, I think, that shouldn't wear your mask and breathe real deep around large groups of people, okay? Uh, so, yeah, so we're in this space where uh, people are being nagged by politicians that are making the choices that are going to kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a death cult capitalism that is in full swing, just being like, well, you have to open up. It's the only thing. Like, how are people supposed to survive? I am really struggling to see any space for hope. I guess I guess for some people Joe Biden is hope. Like if we can if we can just get to N- November and vote a real American into the office. I was in a meeting the other day and someone mentioned like, you know, hopefully things will change in November. And the thing I, I it's just first of all, they won't change till January. That's how inauguration yeah. works. But secondly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> beyond that, uh I'm not sure that like even if we assume Joe would be a good president, which is a massive, if, which, which we do not, which we do not, uh, six more months of this is 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 I, even on its own, I think would be pretty damaging. That's when you have like complete abandonment of institutions. Abandonment of in- institutions. What we are essentially seeing right now is 
it's just more looting. It's the looting of America. Mm. Like, people were so fucking upset about a goddamn Target, but, like, Steve Mnuchin is just handing out checks. Yeah, there's $500 like, billion dollars the American people don't know what happened to as part of the quote-unquote bailout that he could give to literally anyone and we know from the funds that are publicly available a lot of those monies went to cronies or supporters or people who are already donors to trump oh yeah no 100 percent. like but they tell uh, us we can't have health care yeah they they tell us that they can't they can't uh provide for people's needs during a global pandemic that would go away if everyone could stay home and take care of themselves we live in an age where we can have like 18 New York Times think pieces on on why uh, stealing sneakers is bad. Washington Post had something today being like, well, I think we can all agree that unemployment benefits are too high. Incredible. Also, uh, you work for Amazon. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm sorry, we're only well, we're calling that the Amazon Post from now on. I like that. I like that. Change approved. Yeah. I, I genuinely think that like we have to acknowledge that even assuming Biden is going to win and be inaugurated, which I think is like I would put at least even odds, if not greater, at this point. I think like, Biden's the man win has right already. Now. Yeah. Sure. Fine. Great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he has already come out against all of the change we actually need. Hey, like, Medicare for all <laughs> is an insult to his dead son. Yeah. Other people I mean, I being think, healthy. I think is my favorite one. Uh, was somebody asking about environmental policy and like fracking specifically? He's like, "Oh well, like ending fracking's off the table," <laughs> and like just the sheer like paternalism of like, "Oh no, I mean like, listen, raping and pillaging the earth, stopping that is off the table. Come Obviously on, obviously off the table. Be be reasonable." Yeah, and he's not for defunding the police or or like even real real criminal justice reform, which makes sense given yeah, that. Yeah, shoot him in the thing. leg. I have to be honest, you know, with, with, with our listeners here. I, I don't see a lot of hope for our grand federal institutions. And, and obviously, we're fully aware of the long and bloody history of them. But I do think we're sort of entering into what feels like to me a different phase of, you know, an oligarchy that's just going to rob us blind until there's nothing left. Like, it's just, it's just rich people coming in and, and ripping the sconces off the walls. We have already talked about some on this show about sort of the increasingly intertwined nature of, like, corporate and political mm -hmm. power. Uh, and I think we are really seeing that come to fruition in this moment. And I want to be clear. America has always been fucking terrible. We've never <laughs> been good at handling crisis. We have always left our people to die when we're not too busy killing other people from other places or, you know, the people that were here first. Uh, so this is not... I want to be cautious about calling it new because I think that belies the historical realities that, like, we have always oh, sucked this bad. I think it's different. Um, but, yeah. But... I, I will go with you there and say that I, I think we are in a moment that is uh, maybe as naked as we have seen since something like the Gilded Age, mm -hmm. where we are just openly and very honestly and just being like, hey, you're going to die. Or at the very least, lots of people you know are going to die. Yeah. Or at very least, every single person in a nursing home is going to die. And, and think, like, that's just wild. acceptable price. And there have been Trump officials that have come out and said, like, yeah, we want the American people to accept the death toll. Yeah, that's we where we're at. We want them to get numb to it. But I think what's so weird about this is that, like, we can look across the border of Canada, which has fewer cases right now than LA County. And just. Yes. They're, Fewer cases with, uh, for the record, almost four times the population. Right. And they like, and we can see that they have health care and they don't have as much COVID. Or I talked to colleagues in Australia 
and they are like they had like a handful of cases and they shut that shit down for six more weeks and they're run by a maniac i do think it's a uniquely hopeless time in that like america it is true american exceptionalism you know america has always sort of been a part of the developed world let it for chunks of its history usually doing great crimes but like has believed in this idea that we are different and i i think this is like the truest example of that america is being extremely we are, we are different proving the fucking point right now yeah well the accepted tenets of fascism is that you sort of take this colonial impulse and you put it on people domestically and i think it, yeah i don't think it's a coincidence that america has entered kind of the sort of post-war on terror age, which is obviously still going on somewhat, but this sort of post-war on terror age, this post-colonial project, and is now just deciding um, to accelerate its exploitation of its own people, which, of course, it was always involved in. But it, it feels like a particular, you know, when the police are inextricable from dudes rolling into Fallujah, I don't know if you can say something different is happening. Yeah, when the National Guard is standing guard outside my work for a couple weeks. Like, Fuck's uh, sake. When, uh, when our police continue to murder with impunity and then tell us it's okay because they you know, got rid of some 30 Rock episodes. I honestly, I, I don't really have a lot of hope for the future of this country. I don't know if it will persist as anything but kind of an extremely large banana republic. And <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I, I don't know what will happen. I do think things will change, and, and, and they have changed in the last handful of years, uh, but they really have mostly accelerated. You know, a lot of these things, Donald Trump isn't that different than most Republicans. He's just sort of more. And, and I yeah. do think we will see a further acceleration of capital, and it will lead to some sort of... It is increasingly clear that our current system is unsustainable, uh, both in terms of things like the health and future of our planet, uh, if we want to still have that, uh, but also just in terms of like, we're not caring for enough people to keep the facade up that much longer. And right. I think that's why that's why the culture war has been such an effective way to like mitigate this uh, impulse towards change is that like, if you can get people yelling about mass and their personal freedoms, they're not talking about how like the stock market just continues to fucking skyrocket during this this time and again to shit on libs for a second you guys were so fucking happy to talk about the stock market crashing as if that's a thing that like americans should fucking care about oh yeah um no like that that, that like if that, that is any person i know anyway anyway connected to like your average person's human being and uh, you know one of the great tricks of our retirement culture is like you get just enough money in the stock market game to think that it matters mm -hmm. to think that you're connected yeah. to it but actually the vast majority of stocks are owned by a very few people oh of course um, uh and and so you have this thing where like all of america is doing terribly but somehow stocks are just doing great and like what better information do you need that these things are not connected the, the rich do not share your concerns. Yeah, I, uh, I wanted to fund the police and then very quickly to fund the stock market and uh, go from there. Michael, where does that leave us? Yeah, so I mean, I think there are uh, a few things that are like, I do feel some certain amount of hope about. Um, this is, I think this is news to me, listeners. <laughs> yeah well I, I do try to hide those things from you uh so things like uh you know s protesters shutting down all of the docks on like mm -hmm. the eastern seaboard for a day uh you know I, th I think we are struggling in a time when like the news has just decided to ignore like 
the continued like large-scale protests that have been happening which then actually can very effectively help shut down protests uh but regardless i i think that like we learned something about what collective action can look like and honestly what gets it in the public consciousness versus not might involve some burning police stations i don't know who's to say i would never seemed be for sure say that but it's worth exploring i'm just saying i notice a difference in how much people care um so (laughs) i do think we have we have learned a little bit about maybe what what is required in order to like make these changes and like obviously we have not achieved the kind of systemic change from that but People have, you know, endangered their own lives to advocate for that. And some changes have happened. But much more importantly, I think that conversation is going to continue. Uh, And probably that's going to involve more people being hurt unnecessarily at the hands of police officers to get that kind of change. But (sighs) people were willing to fight that battle and and continually are willing to fight that battle. and I think that can be really powerful. I think we have seen that that can, that can change the window on what these conversations look like. So, you know, do what you're going to do. Uh, just make sure to buy your lighter fluid local. I guess the other thing that is giving me hope is, is maybe still in the context of tragedy, but isn't everything. Um, <laughs> but as we're looking at uh, things like wrestling, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, or video games, which is having their own sort of like really intense rollout of Mm. accusations of sexual harassment and abuse uh that just sort of keep coming from all these different like directions of the industry i think there are like five or six ubisoft execs that just resigned in the past week whoa uh include yeah yeah over allegations against them um it just it sort of just keeps coming from all of these different corners so you've got like the pokemon fan community and then you've got like executives uh wow but but I think, that, you know, to see the hopeful side of this is that the reaction to this is very different than we've seen in the past from um, not just gaming, but from a, a lot of, I think the standards for how these accusations get handled and what happens to the people who are accused have changed. And largely we see people acting really s- swiftly to remove um, abusers from positions of power. Uh, and start making you know changes whether those changes are adequate to address the issues at hand and the systemic issues that can lead to that sort of predatory behavior being tolerated and accepted for so long Mm -hmm. we have not been in it long enough to say Uh, but undoubtedly people have been fired people have been forced out of positions they've held for a long time not a lot of excuses being made for this bad behavior in the way that we have seen a lot before uh and I think that's positive. I think I think that is like that is something different than this, you know, shitty, awful discourse about cancel culture. Is just like, yeah, you don't get to be a scumbag. Um, somewhere, in, somewhere, J.K. Rowling just blocked us on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> that's my goal. And that's I, that's like know, my like number one. I want that block. See, I'm an Alex Jones guy. I'm just I'm just Jonesing for that Jones block. Oh no! See, I want the Alex Jones retweet. <laughs> we are not the same. oh god okay all right you know what honestly (laughs) i see the value in both this is shitty christians um so yeah i i I see moments where people are acting acting collectively to Mm -hmm. fight for the world that they need and i think that's great and i encourage people to continue to do so and i definitely think that 
there is still a really powerful chance for people to create systemic change by banding together and demanding things loudly, angrily. Um, Violently? <laughs> I would never say that. No, um, no. We have to under- be honest about the fact that the deck is stacked against us, both in terms of like having access to the material conditions of power, um, but also in terms of, you know, like we were talking about, like the culture war, like... I don't know how many conversations I had with people being like, oh, well, you know, like, yes, we need some change. We need to get rid of these bad Apple police officers. But, you know, do we have to be so crazy about it? I think all the families of those who ha- who lost loved ones to police uh, might think that. And, and, and uh, predominantly communities of color, but it's a lot of communities. I, I think, you know, the president the other day was like, well, cops shoot white people too. And I wanted to just be like, shake him and be like, that's it. That's the problem, dude. Stop shooting yep. people. <laughs> like, Yeah, that is that is my my favorite. I've heard that one um, from people that I care about. They kill more white people than black people. I don't see people complaining about that. And it's like, motherfucker, I promise you, we are complaining about yeah, that. I'm complaining <laughs> about that. Stop shooting everyone, please. Yeah. I beg you. Like, Stop shooting everyone, and also we can acknowledge they shoot black people to rate five times that of white people. There's just a lot fucking more of us, you insipid fuck. Anyways, hope. <laughs> I am increasingly losing faith in institutions and their change. I think there are things we can what? do. What evidence do you have for this? <laughs> he stands astride a, a mound of corpses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. America's already great, he said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm increasingly losing faith. But, you know, yeah. we, history, across people live in hard times. It is, institutions often fail us. That is very frequently what they're designed to do. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. That, you know, get by. That, in many ways, that's all you can do. No, I, I think, I think uh, in a time where the world is so terrible, taking real meaningful steps to radically love the people around you and and care for them and try to care for each other as best we can which we acknowledge is really complicated at a time when like your presence and uh close to a loved one can be dangerous to them being creative and investing energy and caring for the people around you can be a really positive way uh, if nothing else just to stay sane and uh, try to get us to the other side of this in 2023 uh all right let's move on michael yeah Let's let's talk about something fun. Guys, guys. You know how you be dating? <laughs> Haven't you been married you know. for like ever? Oh god. Uh yes, no, obviously. Obviously this is old material for me. You know how you uh you know date like two or three people in your life and then marry one of them and just stay happy for the rest of your life? Michael's so old he's never dated online. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I am. I am maybe the last. I have never. I have never tendered. You have never. I, I don't you, even. You never swiped. You only slide into your wife's DMs, and she usually tells you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> but Christians love writing dating advice articles. I think Christians are more into dating advice articles than they are into weird articles about the end times. No, it's. Uh, I think. I think Christians. Christians are really interesting because I think in the sort of. I'm not going to say post-purity cultural age uh-huh. because I, I think we are still living in a late late stage purity culture. Um, but <laughs> it has... The acceleration of purity culture? <laughs> yes. Uh, 
but it has sort of morphed and a lot of the things mm-hmm. that were i i imagine in mainstream evangelical circles you're not getting a lot of the like chewed gum analogies being your virginity anymore and instead what we have you is were a doing much sort sex of like, wrong by the way if that's how it looks afterwards agree to disagree on that anyways <laughs> um now we're in this sort of like kinder gentler nicer mm-hmm. face totally that is still no, it, it, because christian culture is always 10 years behind we're in the obama era of christian purity culture yeah we're, we're in the advice column era these are no longer moral standards so much as just like hey man let's let's help each other out maybe you should consider some things so zach you oh, found can I, can I tell can i tell a small anecdote yeah sure Speaking to Christians love dating culture so much. There was a guy at the last church we attended. I didn't really know him, but kind of knew people who knew him. And he was in his early mid twenties and he had had about one girlfriend and decided to write a dating advice column and Twitter and would write blog posts and would write (laughs) tweets and basically zero, not that it matters, but zero people ever liked his tweets. And he kept going writing about the importance of like asking people out how to do it. And I love the hubris of that. <laughs> he was basically a Christian pickup artist. Like, he was, that's what that was his whole shtick. I just I love the idea of being like 23 and being like, you know what I'm gonna do. It's an old it's an old bromide at this point, but you know that carry yourself with the uh, confidence of a mediocre white man. I think you can you can add a squared on that, and that that squaring effect is called being a Christian. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, so I found I've been reading da- Christian dating blogs because I'm insane. <laughs> yeah. No, because you need the help. <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> you don't have to out me like that. Uh, and I so I, I came across Boundless, which is yeah. focus on the family's young people blog. Hey, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. <laughs> and I found this one in particular from pretty recent, just like the la- in the last week, called choosing attraction like i know because i read this article that this is not uh, about like squelching homosexual desire but it definitely could be from that title uh you know what when we get into this i still don't know that that's not the case okay fair enough fair enough let's let's dig in tell me tell me the saga of sam yeah written by lisa about her friend sam she writes my friend Sam started listening to the Boundless show about a year ago. First of all, way to way to pimp yourself when you're talking about your friend. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam wants to be married already. Oh, see, okay. The most yeah. Christian beginning. How how would yeah. you define Sam? He's a gentleman. He would like to be married. I always found that like really creepy. Like, not that it's wrong to like want to have a partner in your life. But, like, wanting to be in the state of marriage rather than wanting to marry a person. Right. I don't it's, know. It's a, it's, a no, little, it's a little off to me. There is um. this Christian thing of, like, again, the future spouse. I want to be in a married yeah. state. It's, it is depersonalizing. Where it's, like, maybe it would be cool to know a person is, like... <laughs> yeah, maybe it would be cool if your relationship with that person led you to desire to make that sort of kind of somewhat arbitrary commitment that maybe isn't that helpful to begin with what different podcast Um, (laughs) tune in next week to michael (laughs) (laughs) it's not a personal complaint i'm just saying i think i think our culture of marriage is not great anyways Uh, so sam wants to be married back in the article and over the past year he and i have discussed a few women whom he thought had potential 
Oh God, she is a uh, she is the cowboy whisperer from our Christian romance novel. Oh, she is. She's, she's she's running a secret Christian dating site out of her ostensible blog. So they've discussed one girl. One excuse me. One is a girl. First of all, use of girl. Uh, anyway, okay. So one is a girl. Yeah, his the- parents parents suggested these are presumably grown people so yeah these are although we don't actually know the ages of any of these people hopefully like, this could be a 14 year old so all for all we know so all one right. is a girl his parents suggested may be a good match parentheses yay for involved parents yay <laughs> yay i yeah we you know you you know people that person that your parents love you love it when your parents <laughs> are like shoving partners at you so she this girl that his parents want him to date she lives in another state and he knew very little about her <laughs> are these folks exceedingly Amish? Exceedingly normal. Exceedingly normal. Hey, hey, you know how normal it is when your parents know someone of your generation in another state that you don't know. It's it's the kinder, gentler arranged marriage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. They met on one of his trips, and as you, as you expect, the fairy tale began immediately. Nope. Classic Christian oh, thing. Wait. Classic Christian thing of being like, you thought I was going to be all sappy, but actually, I'm real with it. Yeah, I, I'm not here to uh, spin you sugar uh, tales. I'm here to tell you that life should be shit of doing stuff you don't want to. Isn't <laughs> I'm here. That you cool? should listen to the girl who lives in another state that your parents like. Anyways, <laughs> realistic so, situations. So okay, so. Paint so, the picture. Sam has now traveled out of state to he's meet now his, tra- his future either bride. human trafficking this this young woman. Yeah. And okay, so they have hung out. Oh, Sam thought she was nice. He soon saw she was a quality girl. She loved the Lord, but he wasn't really attracted to her. He didn't think they clicked. And he certainly okay. knew of other girls who better fit his preconceived notion of what he was looking for, and a girlfriend and eventual wife. This should be the end of the story, by the way. There is so much being said and not said. He did the thing. He met up with this person. It was not a connection. What else is there to say? Yeah, like, why is this article continuing for many more pages? I also, I think we need to dive in briefly to statements like, quality girl yeah because i think that's where that's where this stuff the same purity culture nonsense the same mm-hmm. like hyper moralization yeah. now you don't say all that stuff you don't give the the people the proverbs 31 list instead you just say quality girl loves the lord but in that is actually i think still a fairly rigid standard of approved by my parents uh you know doesn't have any of that dirty sex stuff like uh, goes yep. to Sunday school. Like, you know, all of these things still exist. They're just learned how to say it quieter. Uh, 2020, she came comes from a good family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's the religious comes from a good family, except religious people still do the comes from the, a good family. So, <laughs> I have to be honest. I feel like this is definitely an implication that he thinks she's ugly. Uh, how could you not? Because no further information is given. <laughs> right. That this is... is left open. This is left open. And so in the absence of any statement about her character or personality yep. and, and just summing it all up with, oh, well, you know, they didn't click. He had other girls. And his preconceived notion, I feel like, is definitely hinting at, like, she wasn't hot enough for him. Yep. Oh, definitely. And, and, and again... And again, this is him not speaking. Us. This not, is what the article is saying. You, what, you think you're supposed to be attracted to your future wife? Psh. What kind of shallow fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, this guy, he, he came back to Colorado unmoved. 
insanity. But out of personal conviction, his parent and his parents prompting, yay for persistent parents. Ew. Some biblical Gross. counsel and a few well-timed conversations. So first, like, they list that as if that's a normal thing. So personal yeah, conviction, see, he feels like he is... has a moral obligation to see a person he's not interested in again. His parents nagging him. Biblical counsel and other conversations. So, like, there is a community just harassing this dude to go out yeah. on a date with someone out of state who he doesn't want to. That is that is wild. It's I, extremely I didn't really not normal. How many people? Yeah, no, like, I have never been in a situation where an entire community of my friends and elders all surround me to inform me who I should be attracted to. You know Susie who lives in, like, Canada? You should pursue yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. No, she's in Antarctica, man. Like, you got to hike. So, this is my favorite bit, though, actually. They met again and then of again. They did. And then again. And there was still no spark. Oh, my. It was still... Why is this continuing? They're three dates deep, and they haven't even achieved spark. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have spark with, like, random, like, elderly people I meet. What are you two doing? Zach Zach goes to uh, the nursing home just to practice his flirt game. Just to feel something. (laughs) But, like, Uh, how... Okay, so, like... This is insane. Your entire community is harassing you. You are going out of state multiple times. Like, I also want to, Mike, what are they doing? What are these dates like yeah, that are no. just well, fucking okay. terrible? Okay. Right. Wait, no, I can answer this question. I can answer That's this true. question because I have been on all these dates. <laughs> like, maybe maybe sans the, uh, you know, out of state sex trafficking <laughs> element or non-sex trafficking element. But, like, there was some mini golf. Oh, guaranteed. I love mini golf. If they wanted to get edgy with it, they may have done some go karts, but probably not. Okay, because then they might have had a good time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there might have been a spark. There has been there. There was the eating of separate milkshakes, <laughs> and then there leisurely awkward walking around some uh, small to mid sized body of water. Dude, the, okay, I will say that is like the Christian date. I remember oh, yeah. when I was in college, a, a woman texted me and asked me if I wanted to go for a walk later. Oh, oh, 100%. Oh, I mean, the walk, that's that's the classic. And uh, that walk never happened. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> and then I went and played my GameCube. <laughs> Resident Evil uh, 4 yeah. was a dope game. Back on topic. Resident Evil 4 was a dope game. No, this is the topic now. No, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So this man has now done three trips out, out of, state of state to go on awkward dates with somebody he doesn't feel a connection with. Yeah, just just like slapping two pieces of wood, keeping, grinding against keeping each other. They're not even grinding against each I other. Know. They're just in the same room, two pieces of but wood. But like, can you imagine spending so awkward much time? Can you imagine going out of state to spend time with a person you didn't like because your yeah. family and faith community told you to? Like. Tennessee Christians are worried about, or Tennessee, people in Tennessee have been worried about Sharia law, but I don't really see a difference. Well, this is the soft pressure versus hard pressure, right? Like, right. This, is, this is no longer the law. It's just the recommended methodology. And at a certain point, they stop being different. Uh, yeah. But tell me, tell me now, tell me now, what, what became of Sam and Diane? It gets weirder. 
So he decides oh, okay. to end okay. it, even though I would argue it never began. <laughs> yeah. He decides to end it. And so she writes, in the course, but in the course of ending what had never really begun, they had their first real conversation. <laughs> what have you morons been doing? Oh, my God. I love it so much. I assume just glaring at each other. Just just glaring at each other. I would do anything to have a little bit of her perspective on this. Like, was she into him? Was her faith community badgering her to do this? Oh, I, I assume. I assume this is like... It's like Americans trying to make Democrats and Republicans fight, but they just want to not give you health care. I am very curious. I would love, I would love to hear the other person's story in this. Oh, my um, gosh. But also, I can't imagine traveling hours to spend three different instances of t- like time with a person and never having a real conversation. I, I have, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say this. This is not about me. I don't think real conversations are hard to have. I, I've had real conversations with people I've met once. Like, what are you idiots doing? Yeah, I, I really couldn't tell you. Anyway, so, so they're breaking they, up. They're, they're breaking up their wait. They're breaking up their non relationship, which is another thing that I have experience with. They put a few. She's right. They put a few things on the table, including some honest assessments and understood frustrations. You've never had a conversation. What are these frustrations and assessments Again, about? Why are you being so vague about this? I don't understand. Is like this it just seems about like how that would short? be the stuff that would be helpful. Yeah. A few minutes became a few hours, and by the end of this conversation, where presumably they're being angry at each other, the fledging relationship was back on. Something oh real God. was there. They weren't sure what it was. I'm sorry. Oh this is I just this is perverse. Yeah, this is this is really upsetting. Like, I'm sorry, but I guarantee you track this relationship another decade in the future, and there is a dark end to this. Oh, this is just like, I'm sorry. First of all, fuck these people. I hate them. But they're also victims of this culture that is like pushing two incompatible pieces trying to force them together. Stop it. These Legos don't work. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Duplo and a Lego. It was, it was never meant to be. It's just so bizarre that like getting out frustrations and honest assessments, which is just like, I think you're short and I think you're fat. Like, why is this? Like, why? Are you... well, I mean, we can't we can't even determine that. I can't imagine what these people were talking about. Well, I've, I've got a hint. Quote, okay. the attraction issue was still at the back of Sam's mind. A bunch oh, of God. what ifs plagued him. Oh, man. Okay, so this this really is about not going for the hot one. Yep. Right? Like, this is this Is there is another interpretation? About... I don't know. I thought I was trying to make space for that, but this is basically about like an entire community of people negging Sam until he settles for someone that he's not attracted to. And like, listen, do I think that lots of guys have toxic understandings of what attraction could or should look like? Absolutely. 100%. Do I think that our entire culture like treats all people and especially women in really unhealthy ways that create unfair beauty standards that get in in unequally applied? To, uh, you know, women compared to men, 100%. Yes. But you're not actually trying to address any of that shit. You're <laughs> no. just yelling at somebody to go spend time with someone they don't care for. And so then Sam, quote, chooses to go all in, which is just more Christianese. And, like, 
like we said, like, I, that's the one thing, like, hey, every relationship involves somebody making a choice to decide to be with this person. But yeah, th- it, all of this it, is insane. But it's all in the context of everyone else forcing you to make that choice. Like, absolutely, absolutely. All relationships have a moment where you have to say, nope, this is the person that I am going to invest in. At least for right now, I'm going to, like, stop engaging with other objects. And I shouldn't say all relationships. There's lots of relationships that aren't formatted this way. But in, like, a standard monogamous relationship, that point comes for everyone. The problem is when there's an entire community of people standing around you yelling at you to make that choice. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. She's like, she he gave her a fair shot, and I'm like, how can you think this is a fair shot when you already said he was bullied by his entire community and parents who chose this woman? This and let me fair- tell you, he tried to give her a fair shot, and then was told that was inadequate. I'm not saying this is true in every community of faith, of but course. it has largely been the case in my experience that like they really only care about getting you to that like marriage line. And, like, oh, that and I'll is tell you, I'll the tell amount you, of energy yeah, and investment that like gets gets placed on that for you to get you to the point where you make that decision is radically different from the energy investment that gets invested in like teaching you how to be a a good partner to your spouse amen and and like that is so true i i know i know a lot of unmarried folks unmarried women have talked about feeling like basically invisible in church except for instances like this Oh, yeah. Yeah. And until someone needs a coffee date, like there are many churches, certainly not all and hopefully changing, but like there are many churches where you are either a volunteer at some like event that they need or, you know, a chance for a guy to like practice his pickup lines. Yep. hundred percent. Which are all in Aramaic, by the way. I mean, they're going to be better than the ones in English. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, the language barrier helps. (laughs) (laughs) So... It just it just ends with like he, he didn't hold out hope for something better. He looked at what was before him and considered it good, which might be the saddest line I've read in a hot second. Yeah, well, and 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 in doing so, it became great. You all relationships require a level of investment and engagement. Like you do have to choose somebody, and things do become great when you invest in them. That is all true. It should not start like this. You were setting these people up for failure when that decision is not an organic expression of love that comes out of, you know, an actual relationship that these people fucking wanted. All right. So, like, uh, that was yet another journey to the dark heart of Christian culture, but not as dark as the next journey we're about yeah, to make. I was going to say, you know, at least that one had the audacity to, like, try to keep it normal. So, Michael, what's our next story? Oh man, this is a this is a doozy. Uh, this is a this is about John Ortberg, or to be more clear, John Ortberg Jr. Tell me just a smidge about what you know of John Ortberg. Uh, I mean, John Ortberg is a is a major uh, sort of pastor theologian. He's a big name in the sort of like more center leaning Christian community. He writes a bunch of squishy books. He has a church in the Bay. He, their family is very blonde. Um, <laughs> their, their family is excessively blonde. I'm going to say it. Big wig, well-to-do family. All the kids are pretty well known and successful in their chosen careers, except for one notably, which we'll get into. John Ortberg for me is like, who is this guy? He's the guy who, until I was finishing up my research today, I didn't realize I had one of his books on my shelf. Oh, that's so good. It's so good. Uh, he wrote The Life You've Always Wanted. And I, I honestly can't even remember which like misguided you know mentor figure gave that to me at some point. I <laughs> never opened it. <laughs> it, is, it was covered Turns out in that a, was a good call. 
Yeah, exactly. But he was one of those guys. And and I think you nailed it when you said, like, the kinder, gentler yeah. side of the California Christian. The California Christian, the, um, the, the, like, we're so center, you're never going to hear us go left or right. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was the teaching pastor at Willow Creek for a long time uh, before he started this, and he actually was hugely involved in trying to force the accusation against the head pastor there, Bill Hybels, uh, and had you know called for independent investigations and stuff. Uh, and so he was a pretty well-liked dude uh, for a long time. He's on the board of trustees at Fuller, which is a seminary that's like, you know, 15 minutes these days away from us. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've spent a lot of time around Fuller. Exactly. So this is a guy that is semi-connected to lots of people that we know. Um, and also just, I think the last thing to say about his sort of history is that he broke from PCUSA to go sort of help found Eco Presbyterian Church, which was mm-hmm. the sort of more, uh, you know, hey, we're, we're going to hold the hard line on like traditional heavy quotation marks marriage um but a lot of his phrasing was never about that they were they were big one of their big phrases was like all are welcome mm-hmm. um and i think that idea of like seeker sensitive uh was really important to the image they were trying to portray uh and i think we're going to very quickly get to some of the issues with that so why are the orpbergs in the news michael yeah, so this this story uh, has been sort of a long, slow break, mm-hmm. um, but it really popped off yesterday with a pretty major investigative piece in the Huffington Post, uh, sort of chronicling John Ortberg's history of covering up his own son's uh, pedophilia. Oh, no, that is uh, so on brand and still surprising each time. Yeah, I think this is a, uh, you know... We've talked about a lot of creeps that have either done a very bad job of caring for victims Mm. or covered up for victims or themselves were abusers. This is an interesting one in that, again, it's in a slightly different domain that like more Mm -hmm. seeker sensitive, more centrist, more not gay affirming, but gay welcoming. Uh, And, you know, you know, that kind of like church body. Uh, And I think. And also because it is, in many ways, it is a family drama because it turns out the whistleblower that brought these accusations to light in sort of stages as they were increasingly not addressed was uh, one of John Ortberg's uh, other sons, Daniel, uh, who was not born as a man but transitioned in 2018 and was ostracized from members of the family because of that decision had already been living sort of separately from the Ortberg clan up to Mm -hmm. that point. Uh, But, and Daniel's a pretty well-known writer and writes, writes personality. Exactly. Has published several books, um, writes for slate has a column at slate, I think took over the dear prudence column for slate. Um, So yeah, a person with their own platform, but, I think for us, the easiest way to kick off that story is actually to start with the conversation that Daniel had with his brother yes. where he confessed the sexual attraction. Uh, and so that took place in uh, November of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's important. A lot of times we uh, don't always get into the specifics of like the accusations or issues at play as much because mm-hmm. we want to care for the victims. At this exact moment... 
there have been no confirmed victims. We are talking about a person who is struggling with pedophilia and who had long, like years and years and years of unfettered and unsupervised access to children. I do not think it is an unfair thing to say there very well may be victims that come forward. This is all very breaking news. But since there are not victims at this moment, I think it's worth delving into like the actual uh, experience that John Ortberg III, the son who was confessing these urges, uh, was describing. Because yes. I, I think it's, it's worth delving into. So a sexual obsession towards children, particularly young boys ages 8 to 13, that had been with him for his entire life. He said the past 25 years, basically, mm -hmm. from his childhood on. Ortberg is, I think, 32 or 33. Mm -hmm. uh, he said his instinct to nurture children is bound up with his, a sexual response to them. And oh. he acknowledged that he had difficulty letting them go from his care and said he had struggled to avoid telling these children how he really felt. Ooh. Uh, and then claimed to avoid working with a group for which he felt the strongest fixation, which is prepubescent boys, although Daniel makes a note to say that he knows for a fact that that is not actually an age group, that John Ortberg III. We can just say... Uh, John the Third goes by Johnny. Okay, so that he knows that Johnny has not actually like avoided um, that group, and then uh, that conversation happens there, and basically, you know, Danny stepped into the Daniel stepped into this conversation thinking that they were going to have a conversation about that ostracization due to his transition, mm -hmm. uh, and ended up with uh, Johnny saying like, "Hey, I need to let you know this because the entire rest of the family already knows." There's a lot to unpack there, but I think in order to sort of fully understand the scope of this, we should move on to the confrontation. Yeah. Uh, no, let's, let's. Daniel calls his father. Yep. John Ortberg, the the pastor of uh, this Menlo Park Church, mm -hmm. and he describes thinking like, "Hey, we're going to be on the same page on this. Like, we have not been on the same page on a lot of things, but we're going to be on the same page on this." Yeah, and and you know, basically, he he told his his father that. Uh, like, you need to get Johnny away from uh, children immediately. Yep. And then get him into, like, some pretty severe therapy. That did not go over well. I'm so tired of Christians just not doing the right thing. Please continue. Yeah. John becomes enraged. Tells Daniel that he's worried that uh, Johnny will commit suicide if his access to children is taken away from him. Oh, my gosh. Which is something that gets brought up multiple times, according to Daniel, and then is later denied. Like, John has gone on the right. I had never had any concerns about, you know, Johnny's harm to himself or others. But repeatedly, according to both Daniel and his wife, Grace, who was present yeah. for many of these conversations, Grace, who is also a trans person. But Daniel and Grace were both present for these conversations. Uh and both remember him saying, like, hey, like... In, in many cases have receipts, like, in the form of yeah. text messages. Yeah, there is a shocking amount of... We'll get to, like, the document that they have created, but mm -hmm. it is a really heartening piece of uh, just full-on receipts for so much of this. Totally. Uh, in that same conversation, a couple other things got said, and I think this is where we'll start to dig in. Yes. One, uh, John Erper compared pedophilia to homosexuality. Two... He argued that the most important thing is secrecy. Oh. And then three, somehow maybe managing to be the most evil of all the th terrible things he's saying, he said that 
You, meaning Daniel and Grace, lack the standing to make recommendations for alternate forms of treatment because of your transitions. Wait, what the fuck? Yeah. Essentially, I think arguing that uh, their existence as trans people meant that they were the same as Johnny or as homosexuals or as like that all of Ew. these things, according to John er- Ortberg, are sexual per- perversions of equivalent degree. Oh my um, gosh, that is so much repugnance packed, packed yeah, in. Yeah, and that is so much repugnance, and it's coming from the all or welcome guy. I think I think it's actually really important to say like, mm-hmm. hey, I have heard this espoused from from people that I care about, people that have been spiritual leaders over most of the churches that I've attended over my life, being like, hey, listen, all are welcome. We want everybody here. We may not agree with all the choices that you're making, but you know what? That's true for everyone. Um, so like, come on, everyone in, like we are, we are gay accepting, Mm -hmm. uh, but when the rubber meets the road, yeah. What does this guy say? He, he uses the pedophilia homosexuality connection, which is one of the oldest canards in the evangelical textbook. I fucking hate that one. That's Uh, what am I like? I makes my blood boil. Like there's, well, you know what that, that one said? I mean, it says a lot of things. I don't want to claim to be able to even unpack the evil of that sentence completely. But one of the things it says really clearly in this instance is that consent doesn't exist for John Ortberg. There we go. Uh, that is that is just one of the ways in which these things are nothing alike. But it's a big one that children cannot consent. So when you're saying pedophilia is like homosexuality, then you are you are equating two things. And you if those things are the same for you, then consent doesn't exist for you. Uh, also, for the record, he was just factually wrong. I if, if I'm oh, correct yeah, in course, my reading, uh, most children who are abused are girls who are abused by male relatives. Yes. Again, well, this this goes back to another canard that like is more right wing, but certainly exists in evangelical circles that the gays are coming to like steal and convert your children. But the actuality is, it's the fucking pastors. It's always oh, yeah. been the fucking pastors. It, it's, it's the, the uncles. pastors and the priests and the and and the and the fucking uncles. Anyways, uh, three incredibly horrible things. All I think I think it's easy to not even look at the most important thing is secrecy. Uh, because that's incredible. That not actively attacking, you know, a, a person's life and identity. But like that is anathema to scripture. Like mm-hmm. there is there is nowhere in this Bible that you have spent a lifetime attempting to peddle that like says like, hey, you know how we deal with these things? We keep them in the darkness. Like we take no responsibility. We make no changes. And explicitly, both Johnny and John mentioned the concept of the virtuous pedophile uh um, i fuck it i'm so tired of that term which is such a like 08 atlantic bromide that i i genuinely just don't even want to like unpack basically i think there was an attempt to try to understand that like sometimes people are born with pedophilic urges uh-huh. certainly not all pedophiles but that like this can be a thing that happens so we have to make some space in our society for people that deal with this and don't want to harm children mm-hmm fine great whatever a lot of this in the past handful of years has been co-opted by a more like nambla like segment of this like community and now you have people trying to claim it like a sexual identity 
Uh, you have, you know, yeah, maps the map, with the their maps flags. on Twitter, uh, all that jazz. And you also have this idea that, like, well, a virtuous pedophile, because they love children so much, should actually be invested in the lives of children. And, like, using this concept of the virtuous pedophile to, in fact, encourage predatory behavior, um, which is another thing that we're going to get to, because as of right now, in the absence of accusations of you know sexual assault against this guy which we don't know because the investigation hasn't really been done sure but i think one of the things we're going to be talking about is that the kind of emotional abuse that comes from a person in position of power than you having this intense unhealthy emotional relationship with you is can be incredibly damaging to young yep. people before anyone ever gets fucking touched anyways 100 percent. let's move forward so daniel reached out to john got shut down Got told like, "Hey, you don't you don't have the fucking uh, space to say this." Uh, Hugely gross and transition. Oh, terrible! So, Daniel, being a boss, uh, totally. reaches out and writes a letter to the elder board. Mm-hmm. Names his brother in that letter. This is uh, eighteen months after John Ortberg Senior became aware of these issues in that time i don't know if we've made this totally clear he not only allowed but continued to encourage his son to maintain his entire life which was being around minors yeah he Uh, worked as a coach he was a coach for ultimate frisbee which is the lamest coach you can be that's off topic but uh he he worked in the church and in uh you know institutions and organizations outside of the church always with kids often these were like fairly competitive leagues where they would go on travel yeah they would be they would he would be with children overnight he would have young men over to his house regularly Mm -hmm. and he would go on mission trips to other countries again unsupervised with both the volunteers that he went with and the communities they were going to serve i don't want to make light of this but boy taking children over state lines i i feel like there's something to that Johnny Johnny developed a, we'll say, fascination with an eight-year-old boy that he then proceeded to visit repeatedly for years after the fact, go back on his own to stay with the family as late as 2017. Oh, my gosh. So all of this is just happening unabated. Yeah, there are text no- messages. There are text messages to Johnny being like, yeah, go on these trips. Coach these children. There is a specific moment where the enti- the entire family, Daniel posts this this link from the family chat, where the mm-hmm. entire family who are all aware of this uh, of this man's pedophilic obsessions uh, are encouraging him in his work as a coach. I like, can't yeah, think of a great I job. Just, I'm blown. I'm sorry. That blows me away. It blows yeah. me away. And I, I really think it speaks to, as we'll learn, like how powerful people operate, how little these people care about kids and harm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a grander conversation than even the scope of this uh, thing. But it is so true that, like, at the very least, we're talking about rules for thee and not for me. And we're talking about, like, hey, we can handle whatever's going on. We got like, it. We got this. Don't worry about it. So Daniel reaches out to the elder board and specifically to a lady by the name of Beth Siebold. Uh, so he reaches out to the whole elder board and, and he makes them aware. He names names. Uh, there was initially a moment where he was like, hey, Johnny, you need to go take responsibility for this. And if you resign from all these positions, I am not going to like, you know, out you. Then pretty immediately realize like, hey, that actually isn't good enough. 
Like, yeah. Giving you a chance that that elides the idea that harm may have already happened. He reaches out to the Elder Board. Beth Siebold has a series of very like meaningful emails being like, thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. Like, I know this is really hard for you and, you know, could damage your family. And I think it's really important. Uh, we will absolutely, you know, we're going to launch an investigation. And they do at that time. 18 months after John was made aware and never said shit, they do remove Johnny from his roles, uh, and he did resign from his other roles. So at this point, Johnny is no longer interacting with kids right this second. John, the the father, the head pastor, is placed on it sort of unspecified administrative leave, all of which sounds like the beginnings of a good thing. Mm -hmm. Where this then immediately begins to falter is with the investigation. They bring in a uh, an outside investigator by the name of Fred Alvarez. Uh, Fred Alvarez, as it turns out, doesn't have any experience dealing with sex abuse or churches or any of that. Oh, you good. know what he does have a lifetime of experience in, though? This is from his website. He is an active individual and class litigation pro- process dedicated to defending employers in trial. Ew. Fuck that guy regardless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even before this shit, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, defending employers, that is that is the cardinal sin of shitty Christians. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, this, this, this is the shitty Christian's guarantee. If you are ever defending employers in any format of your life, <laughs> private conversation, public office, I don't give a fuck. If you are defending employers, we are going to send a little extra electrical signal down through our little podcast. Just a, just a little extra bit of code, and it's going to zap your cell phone. Okay, so this this guy, Fred, he proceeds to launch a quote-unquote independent investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it turns out, that involved either five or six weeks, depending on who you ask. He interviewed staff, and he checked records but he did not interview any children or families of children that Johnny had had interaction with. I feel he like did... that's a an oversight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would imply that, you know, there was any lack of intentionality in it. Right. He didn't he didn't talk to Johnny? Oh, what? <laughs> what? He he had no direct he did not talk to Daniel or Grace to confirm any details and he did not talk to John Ortberg uh the head pastor. Wow. He talked. Good he job. He talked to 17 members of staff and fucking no one else. Ugh. And he finished up an investigation of what has been 16 years of unceasing ministry in and around minors with an incredible lack of supervision. And he wrapped that up with a bow in five to six weeks. Well, you know, and it's pretty easy back. to wrap it up when you're not doing much. Exactly. And he came back and said, no misconduct. We discovered Ugh. we discovered no allegations of actual harm. You know, it's Johnny. true. When my head's up my ass, I, <laughs> I can't see anything wrong. Yeah, you're like, hey, no light here. This is <laughs> this is a dark ass room. Let me tell you. <laughs> so they hired a stooge. And in all of this, I don't think we've really covered this. They're telling the congregation functionally nothing. Oh yeah. Nothing. This is wild. They're like, there's a volunteer. Yeah, well, even that. It took them a long time to get to. When they placed him on leave, they weren't even being honest about like what the context was. And then eventually they're like, well, we had a volunteer Incredible. in our ministry who was dealing with these issues. So we're going to do an investigation. Don't you worry. And as it turns out, they never admitted who this volunteer was, what his relationship to 
John Ortberg was. And John was able to come back at the end of this very vague, very like Mm -hmm. not public or accountable process and be like, hey, I should have handled this differently and I'm sorry. And I'm going to like do this action plan to be reinstituted reinstituted as head pastor which by the way his entire like leave of absence was like four months so that's like, just a fucking sabbatical we yeah <laughs> yeah let's ask did he get paid during that time we know he did of course uh, he did of course he did I, so we got a fucking vacation so we got a four-month vacation while the guy that they paid to rubber stamp the thing rubber stamped it and intentionally i think this is really interesting at the end of the day, one of Fred Alvarez, the lawyer's defenses, was that he was not paid to investigate the claims of abuse or to investigate any potential claims of abuse. He was paid to investigate how the church responded when this information came to light. So he was not investigating Johnny at all. Mm-hmm. He was investigating John and still came back with an accusation of no misconduct. So uh. they... Then release a statement being like, hey, great news. Nothing nothing wrong happening here. We're going to bring him back. It's all good. And that almost would have been where it ended. Mm-hmm. Because there are lots of conversations. Like so many of these situations. Oh, absolutely. There are lots of conversations uh, with, you know, some of the investigative reporting in HuffPost specifically reaches out to current or former congregants. And a lot of them said that the way that this all got framed made them feel like he had maybe made a mistake in how he handled and you know this concern with some random volunteer and he should have taken it a little more seriously and he's owning that and isn't that great Mm -hmm. it really came across as like restorative and owning up even as vague as it was uh and that like the privacy was not to protect john himself but to like make sure that this person could go get the treatment that they needed right by the way, up until much more recently than this, Johnny was still not receiving treatment. John later claimed that he referred him to treatment. That turned out to not be the case. It was Daniel that did the work and found specialists trained for dealing with these issues and gave those to Johnny. Uh, and it wasn't until much later that Johnny availed himself of them. Let's bring this home. So there's now been this fake investigation. Daniel is understandably upset that mm-hmm. this is being handled. He's basically... and like. I encourage you, I'll just go ahead and pitch this now. If you go to menlo-church.com, it is basically all the receipts. It is a timeline Mm. assembled by Grace and Daniel with emails that they sent, emails that they received, text messages, timelines. It is a ton of information. And if you want to like know all of these details, I encourage you to go look at it. Because what you'll see is that Daniel was always like really upset about this, but passionately like, pushing for like justice and Mm -hmm. also like coming from a position of love so daniel uh decides to uh one he sends another statement publishing a statement expressing like dismay that like this Mm -hmm. has been handled so poorly yeah Uh, at this point other institutions start stepping in uh boz uh who is the i'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name but he's a guy that we've talked about before he's the director of grace which is the godly response to abuse in the christian environment yeah uh he offers to impanel an investigatory body for this issue, mm-hmm. uh, Seabolt does not acknowledge this. Of course. Uh, they they claimed at the time, by the way, this is interesting, that the reason they didn't reach out to Grace initially is specifically because John Ortberg had worked so closely with Grace 
during the Willow Creek scandal against Bill Hybel. Mm -hmm. So they were like, oh, well, they have too much of a relationship. They could never do this. We're just going to get this other guy instead of the experts in this field who have already demonstrated credibility across these issues. Oh, you know, they're compromised. We can't trust them. Incredible. They they know John. They know John. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. So now that uh, basically what is it? This was over for Menlo. They, Mm -hmm. They had handled it. Then, uh, Daniel releases that statement. So now Daniel's the bad guy. And there is a town hall meeting during which Seabolt responds to Daniel Lavery's comments by smearing him. And I'm going to read some of this. We are not going to get into a media battle with Daniel. I had an estranged child who reconnected in the past week. It had been almost two years. As people become adults and need to break away, it's harder now. We oldsters would call once every two weeks, but now kids are so connected. We can speak far too much into their lives, all the way into young adulthood. And sometimes they need to take a strong stand, sometimes an angry stand, to start their adult lives. What you see here is Danny lashing out. And Danny is breaking away, and Danny is starting Danny's own life. And I've walked that walk, and I hope we can all give John and Nancy some grace, because I know how painful that is. John and Nancy being the parents. Fuck off. First of all, I would be so fucking pissed. Some random dumb fucking person was like, let me tell you about you and your family. Shut the fuck up and sit down. This isn't about you. You work for the church. All you've done is fail. So shut the fuck up, lady. All you've done is cover the shit up with everyone else. Don't you you dare fucking lecture. Also, Daniel has an incredibly successful career on his own. Doesn't need you. Doesn't need this to, like, stand apart from his family. Fuck you. Dan, well, one, okay, so yeah. One, I appreciate all that rage. I feel that rage. That is good rage. I'm ready for it. Uh, Two, Beth. Daniel is 33 years old, has <laughs> yeah. published several books, and is an incredibly accomplished writer. So, you know, this whole, like, oh, you know, the kids just need time. Like, you were the one infantilizing a 33-year-old. Two, Daniel so far has been the only fucking adult in the room. Oh, by far. Daniel no, is, it's, Daniel is the it. only person that has stood up to try to protect children at personal cost to his own relationship with his family, yep. which he no longer even avows and has taken his wife's name. Uh and at great personal cost to like his sanity because we you know we don't need to get into all of the like weird Menlo Park people reaching out you know to discredit or threaten or all of that. Well, uh, just like, but can you imagine being like, hey, there's a pedophile that's being like, like shuttled around and encouraged yeah. to be around children. Not we should not even shuttled the around. Person given brought is, in on a throne, and we should attack the person whistleblowing about this. Yeah, like it's we, well, so disgusting. Disgusting. It's so evil. And also, one thing you'll notice is that there is a very intentional refusal of the like use of any kind of pronoun Yeah. when you're talking oh, about yeah. Danny. That's so right. it's Danny is going on Danny's journey to Danny Town with all the other Dannys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, normal words. Normal words and phrasing. And so like, yeah, okay, you'll use their chosen name. Honestly, some of the Christian sites that were reporting on this were dead naming like a motherfucker. So we'll acknowledge that's better than some. Ugh. But two, uh, you can't you can't even like give the person that is calling you to account that respect. Of course not. Really horrifying. I will point out. Beth issued an apology, and I I have no ability to make any claims as to her heart, but it was a full-throated apology in a way that we don't always see, which is, it was very much a, like, 
you're right. I fucked up. Yeah, I'll 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 maybe be interested when I get a resignation, but you exactly. Know, maybe just exactly. shut the fuck up from the future. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. I think we will get to that. Um, <laughs> all right. So Beth Beth reaches out to be like, oh no, Danny's just lashing out. You know these children. You know these thirty three year old published author children. <laughs> God. Uh, and so, but that was in March. Uh, in that sa- in another town hall meeting in that same time frame in March, Joan Art Ortberg claims that he did not encourage the volunteer to st- seek to treat their condition by seeking unsupervised access with minors. Basically being like, no, I never encouraged this person to continue hanging out with minors. Mm-hmm. That is factually untrue. We have the receipts. Yep. And then in June, after trying through both going to his father and then going to the elder board and then going public without publishing the identity and these issues still not being handled or being honest about daniel publicly identifies that church volunteer as his brother and publishes the email that he sent to the elders all the way back in 2019 the day after he had that conversation with johnny this happened yeah like a few weeks ago late yeah. june i can't imagine how challenging it would be to publicly out a person that you love oh my gosh who at least has claimed to not have harmed children and who both themselves went to authority figures seeking help mm-hmm. and went to you to be honest with you, who you then went and advocated for. Yeah. And let me be clear. Johnny has spent his entire adult life pursuing unfettered access to children. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is a way in which he is in any way the victim here. No. Uh, because these were all choices. He did not have to choose that path for himself. What other issues he was struggling with, a lot of better decisions could and should have been made. I will say this in empathy that Johnny was also failed Johnny, by people in positions Johnny of was great spiritual failed. power. Yeah. That he, had. He, he's not the victim, but he was failed. Yeah. Can you imagine if the spiritual authority in your life who is also your father who claims to love you is telling you a person who is drowning in their own sickness and and need that like no you're fine yeah just go back out there kid it's gonna be just fine it's like it's it's so monstrously fucked it is so evil it is so evil so few people that are struggling with these issues come forward or are interested in making changes now there are some reports that maybe the reason that johnny came forward is just because a laptop went missing and he knew if that laptop got found by the wrong people that would not go well for him yeah so there is a chance that even his initial omission was not out of a desire for change but out of a desire for damage control again I cannot speak to that either way. I will say that all of the rest of Johnny's life seems pretty dedicated to staying around those kids. But even then, it doesn't matter whatever his reasons for coming forward, there was an opportunity to address this shit. And that was failed repeatedly for an extended period of time. And when it got more public, they hired a guy to come in and cover it up and put a bow on it. And it is only because Daniel had the personal courage to continue Mm -hmm. bringing this up progressively more publicly yeah which by the way daniel and his wife are not professing believers at this point but is actually the biblical method for bringing like things to a body uh (laughs) and of course the the next thing that happens is that uh one of daniel and johnny's sisters laura immediately you know disavows 
everything. Oh yeah, that he's Laura does like Twitter. Laura Turner, who's Daniel's sister, does this fucking shitty bullshit post. It's like, well, you know, Daniel, uh, it was exaggeration, blah blah blah. Then deletes her Twitter. Yeah. What all I can say is this: I will always love my brother. I can also say that the statement he shared yesterday is full of half truth, lies, and exaggerations. And then, you know, the permanent log off. No further questions. Hey, hey, Laura, like, wherever you are, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, she also has this, like, guilt trip thing. Really, I would very much like to talk about with this about him and offer corrections. But he cut off all contact with our family in November. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder gee, why. I fucking wonder why, Laura. Laura, acknowledged person who knew about a pedophile and kept encouraging them to hang out with children. Gee, Laura, I wonder why Daniel didn't want you in his fucking life. That is that is basically where things lie today. Yeah. He was publicly outed. Uh, Huffington Post has done a pretty long form great article that you can read. Religionnews.com did their mm-hmm. own uh, pretty extensive piece uh, and that came out a little bit earlier but had a lot of great information and covered some of the things that uh, the HuffPo piece wasn't able to get to. And then Daniel and Grace themselves have done an incredible job chronicling all of this again at menlo-church.com. If you want more information, but that's where it stands right now. There are probably yeah. things that are going to happen because currently John Orberg is still the head pastor of Menlo Park Church. <sighs> he is still on the board of trustees at Fuller Seminary. Mm-hmm. He is still has all of his publishing deals. Like there have been no consequences visited on Johnny or John up until this point, uh, except for Johnny's voluntarily ceasing of volunteering with children you know, probably permanently at this point, but up until very recently, you know, for now, till it all blows over. Um, and I do, I do desperately hope that Johnny gets the help that he so clearly needs. Oh, yeah. And that, like, I do so desperately desire for people to, like, have help who are struggling with that. But I also will not abide the idea that any of that help can happen while deception is happening, while people are covering up for you, while Preacher Daddy is encouraging you to continue endangering children it's it's so mind-boggling and it like it took somebody like daniel having a separate platform of their own to like be in this space like what's amazing is how many times this is like how many stories like this exist that we're not able to talk about because there's not somebody like daniel who not only stands up bravely but has a platform of his own and i just absolutely no, this is this is the rare case where somebody like having their own like platform with which to communicate these things. But then, you know, I like like uh, Beth accused Danny of like lashing out, like still went through the process, tried to trust the church to handle yeah. this. The final thing that I'm going to say for right now is that a lot of this, a lot of the issues around this have have sort of been hung on the idea of whether or not Johnny actually physically touched any children. And I guess what I'm here to say at this point is that that is not the fucking question. It matters. And if it happened, we need to know about it. But his relationship with these children was abusive from minute one. And in the wake of this coming out, you cannot have a grown man that is obsessed with children that by his own admission, you know, equates his sexual fascination with them with his desire to nurture them that is increasingly you know in johnny at one point sends an email to his ultimate frisbee team being like i hope you guys all remember all the positive things that i have done with these kids (sighs) when the whole point is that for you that was intertwined with your desire to sexual sexualize them 
that relationship is deeply unhealthy. And also, this is the case of a man with pedophilic attraction, but unhealthy relationships between youth worker, youth uh, ministry professionals, quote unquote professionals, and children, it's shockingly common. In my own youth mm-hmm. group, there was a running gag that, God forgive me, I was too uh, blind and in that world to realize where, you know, the guy that led worship, who was a seminary student in his 20s, and the 14-year-old girl, like, kind of had a thing for each other. Uh. Like, she thought he was cute. He was, like, from what she has said, nothing ever happened with that. But, you know, in later life, became aware that, like, hey, this is a really unhealthy thing. The way mm-hmm. he would, like, pick her up at youth group and carry her around. Like, like that kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, another member of the Menlo Park Church discussed a another different youth worker there who never physically touched her, but had an intensely unhealthy emotional relationship with her where they would talk for hours every day. He would drag her into this private closet at the church and then they would sit and talk. She would confide her issues that she was struggling with with self-harm to him and he would be the voice of reason and comfort. And then when she actually did Uh, Her parents found out that she was planning to harm herself and she was placed in hospitalization. They read her journals. They found hundreds of pages detailing this unhealthy relationship. That guy was shipped out, but it was all hush hush. Yeah, and he he could go have another job. He did. He went he went down he went across state lines. Here we are again, and got another job as a youth ministry person. I'm just gonna say people particularly generally speaking, grown men who want to work with youth or children. Fucking, those people are just creeps. So have, many of them have are you met, creeps. Have you met young people? They're Why? the worst. I have, no, I'm kidding. I, I actually, young people are great. Uh, shout, shout, shout outs. I still don't want to talk to you. Yeah. No, it's me like, that's terrible. Like, you guys, no you guys inter- seem like you might just save us, but still it's probably for the best if we never interact. I'm a millennial. I'm tainted. I love I love big screen TVs. It's just not fair. You love Harry Potter and like yeah, big screen I fuck, TVs. I do not. But like I just I'm sorry, there is a real fucking problem. I can just keep it to like I mean actually I don't have to keep it to Christian. There's a problem. You look at Boy Scouts, you look at all these abuse scandals, you look at like I had like a youth leader who married a woman who had been in his youth group. Oh god. Like oh, that's they horrifying. didn't have any relationship till afterwards, but fucking still. And yeah. I'm sorry, it's a problem. I'm we just we need to shut it all down. Shut <laughs> it all down. Shut down youth groups. It would honestly be for the best. We, are, we have moved from the personal to the systemic. Of course. Which is important for shitty Christians. Which is to say that, like, we have to restructure everything about how we allow adults to have authority over children. And we see small things about that, like, in parenting. Where parents are, like, teaching their kids, like, you don't fucking have to hug people you don't want to hug. And, like, teaching bodily autonomy. And I think that's a great start. But we also need to not offshoot all of that change onto individuals. Yeah. We need to be willing to change the systems so that like these things are not normalized. This kind of authority is not normalized. Where you can have well-intentioned adults choose to love and invest in young people in a way that is not creepy and gross. Because right now it kind of feels like it's all creepy and gross. I think having now made the case that like these emotional issues at play uh, in youth ministry are... are somewhat pervasive and dangerous and a lot a lot more common than you know a man who is mm-hmm. struggling with yeah. you know obsessive pedophilia uh for his entire life who clearly never should have been anywhere near these kids um and to bring it home i think 
this is this is the essential shitty Christian story where the hero is the trans uh, couple that left their faith. That's right. And the villain is uh, the father, patriarchal father figure who claims to be an authority and voice of God and a welcoming one. The welcoming, yep. all are welcome voice of God who told the people who were trying to hold him and uh, his son to account that they had no they had no voice. They had no ability to speak because of who they were. And as it turns out, they did have a fucking voice, John. And I hope very dearly that you get to experience the consequences of that voice very soon. John, we're coming for you. That's how we're ending this. John, I hope we don't have to. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Grace. Thank you to the investigative reporters that uh, tirelessly compiled all of this information. Thank you to the members of the congregation who have left and for the ones who are staying and demanding that this church handle this better. Uh, They have recently announced that they are going to do what they are calling a supplementary investigation. Ah. Uh, Hurrah. I think it's fair to say that that is probably going to be more of the same until they are held held to account and forced not to, but we'll see. Uh, I also love the idea of having a supplementary investigation, otherwise known as an actual investigation. (laughs) Um, But shout outs to the courage of people who grew up in the faith. I'm going to presume we're wounded by it, Mm -hmm. uh, but who knows, left it and then still held the church to a better standard than the church was willing to hold itself. I think that is an incredibly powerful thing uh, for somebody to do. And the fact that they managed to do it all in, with a certain amount of love and patience and wisdom and how they went about it is truly remarkable. Um, totally. It gives me a lot of hope that we can do this better. With that said, uh, this has been your episode of Shitty Christians for the week. I'm your host, Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor. Uh, I'm Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. And you can find us shitposting the day away at shitty underscore pod. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Do feel free to reach out. We will be back next week with more shitty Christians. Visualizing the realism of life and actuality. Fuck who's the baddest? The person's status depends on salary. And my mentality is money orientated. I'm destined to live the dream for all my peeps who never made it. Cause yeah, we were beginners in the hood as proper sinners. But something must have got in us. Cause all of us turn to sinners. Now some resting in pieces, some are sitting in San Quentin. Others such as myself are trying to carry on tradition. Keeping this weapon of lessons, speak at a western society. Cause it provides with the proper insight to guide us. Even though we know somehow we all gotta go. But as long as we leave and thieving, we'll be leaving with some kind of dose. So into that day we expire and turn the vapors. Me and my capers, I'll be somewhere stacking plenty papers. Keeping it real, packing, still getting high. Cause life's a bitch and then you die. Life's a bitch and then you die. That's why we get high. Cause you never know when you're gonna go. Life's a bitch and then you die. That's why we puff lie. Cause you never know when you're gonna go. Life's a bitch and then you die. That's why we get high. Cause you never know when you're gonna go. I woke up early on my born day, I'm 20, it's a blessing, the essence of adolescence leaves my body down freshened, my physical frame is celebrated cause I made it, one quarter through life, some godly like thing created, got rhymes, 365 days, annual plus some, load up the mic and bust one, cuss while I puss from, my skull cause it's pain in my brain, vein money maintained, no go against the grain, simple and plain, when I was younger this I used to do my thing hard, robbing foreigners, take their wallets, they jewels and rip their green cards, dip to the project, flash in my quick cash and got my first 
Piece of ass smoking blunts with hash. Now it's all about cash and abundance. Niggas I used to run with is rich. Are doing years in the hundreds. I switched my motto. Instead of saying fuck tomorrow, that buck that bought a bottle could have struck the lotto. Once I stood on the block, loose cracks, reduced stacks. I cooked up and cut small pieces to get my loot back. Time is ill-matic. Keep static like wool fabric. Pack a formatic to crack your whole cabbage. Life's a bitch and then you die. That's why we get high. 